StimLab's CEO, John Daniel, started out as a U.S. Marine and then rode on a beer truck. But while in school, he sat next to someone who told him about CryoLife, where he started in an entry-level role as a lab technician. He spent his whole career in regenerative medicine, authored 30 patents, and now runs Stim Labs, which develops and produces regenerative medicine products. One of John's favorite books is Leaders Eat Last by Simon Sinek, which teaches and reinforces principles John learned in the core. I'm David Williams, host of the Health Biz Podcast and president of Health Business Group, a strategy consulting firm that helps healthcare and life sciences companies like Stim Labs develop robust growth plans. Reach out to me at dwilliams at healthbusinessgroup.com if you'd like to discuss strategy for your company. Well, John Daniel, CEO of Stim Labs, welcome to the Health Biz Podcast. Thank you for the invitation, David going to be talking about uh, all sorts of interesting things that you're working on now, but I want to uh, get a start by talking about some of the things related to your, your upbringing and, and your, your earlier career background. So what was your early life like? What was your upbringing like? Uh, did you have any big childhood influences? Uh, no, I think everything's pretty average. I think one of the things that's kind of unique about me is I, I, uh, I was that kid that didn't really know what they wanted to do when they grew up. So I struggled with that a lot. Um, I joined the Marine Corps out of high school. Uh, after Marine Corps, I actually worked on a beer truck for a while and realized that I really needed to go back to school and figure out what I was going to do with myself. And in a college math class, I, I just happened to be sitting next to uh, a guy named Doug who worked for a company locally called at, at a company called CryoLife. And he got me an interview for an entry level position at CryoLife. And that was kind of my start in the industry. No, that's pretty good. So it sounds like, you know, I think a lot of kids don't know what they want to do. And maybe some aren't so self-aware and just kind of go in whatever direction they're, they're told or whatever seems, uh, seems most convenient. But the, the going in the Marine Corps is kind of a big step and they don't take just anybody. So how did that, how did that come about? I'm a family, uh, a family of uh, military veterans. So it, it, it was kind of an easy choice for me. It made a lot of sense. Uh, it was something that I grew up around a lot when I was a child, so it, it was kind of a natural thing for me. Yeah. And the beer truck, too? Was that a family thing or is that uh, that was your own arrangements? I, I actually, I don't actually know how I got on the beer truck, to be completely <laughs> yeah. honest. That's most people have that story, but yeah. Okay. So then you, it sounds like then you got into kind of the medical and tissue field just essentially by, you know, who you were sitting next to, and obviously probably sat next to a lot of different people in different, different places, but this one, this one struck you in, in, in some kind of way. And early on, you were at a couple of companies, surgical biologics and biosurgical technologies. What, what were those like? Sure. So I started at CryoLife. CryoLife was my first, uh, it was my entrance into the industry. Uh, I literally started as a, uh, an entry level position, almost like a, I was a lab aide, so I, my job was to clean up the lab and, and basically clean after all of the manufacturing people. Um, literally fell in love with the industry the day I arrived. I, I realized this was the thing I wanted to do. Um, within the first six months of my arrival at CryoLife, we actually went through an IPO. So that was a really fun thing to watch. Um, and all of the things that actually happened at CryoLife in the early days really just solidified my, my, my passion for what we were doing. And I realized pretty early that was what I wanted to do. I progressed through the industry. I've done, I've done pretty much everything you can do in the industry. A lot of the things you can do, I've done two or three times by now. Um, and I've progressed through various stages of management as, I, as, I, as my career grew. 
And it culminated in me starting a business called Surgical Biologics in 2006. We sold that business uh, in 2011. I took some time off and really tried to find the right next thing for me. Uh, I spent a lot of time looking at different things. I never found the thing that had the right people with the right technology, with the right ideas, never had all four legs of the stool. Um, and I saw an opportunity to start another company in the, the space that Surgical Biologics was in, the, the birth tissue space. So I started STEM Labs. Great. That's an excellent story, you know, up until this point. It was pretty quick. You know, you talk about some, starting something in 2006 and, and selling it in 2011. It's actually a pretty uh, rapid uh, progression. Did things go particularly well or how, how did it happen that I'm sure it didn't feel that fast at the time, but I mean, how, how, how did things go so quickly? It was an interesting thing for me. So most, the first half of my career, the first 15 years of my career, I spent in cadaveric tissue transplant. So donors that have deceased and, and were transplanting bone or connected tissue, uh, starting just before surgical biologics, I started working in the placental allograft space. Mm -hmm. uh, the placental allografts, placental allografts are derived from tissue that's actually donated during cesarean section childbirth. Okay. And these graphs, rather than, so basically the process is the same process that a mother would normally have for delivery. She goes to the hospital, mom is healthy, the baby is healthy, everything works uh, like it's supposed to. Um, if mom's going to donate core blood, things like that, all of that happens like normal. But rather than the placenta being thrown in the trash, it's actually collected and we actually use it to make biological graphs. Um, that was what surgical biologics did. That process was really unique because we didn't really understand what the goal was when we started the company. Not only that we would sell the company, but even how the market would develop over time. We were one of the first in the space and a lot of the territory was brand new and we just didn't know where it was going to go. Yeah. Well, it certainly makes it exciting. Uh, you know, that's for, that's for sure. Um, so let's talk about STEM labs and maybe just backing up a little bit since not everybody has a full understanding of the space. When you talk about regenerative medicine, what, what does that mean? Regenerative medicine, to me, is is influencing healing. It's it's somehow helping the body heal itself. And there there been you know as you mentioned when you were at Surgical Biologics, there are a, a lot of new things that are being done. You're charting a lot of new ground. Um, it's not the type of uh, field you know maybe you have a family that had been in the military, but not necessarily people that had been in, you know, regenerative medicine. That doesn't tend to be something that's, uh, that's been around for, for so long. What are some of the advances that you've seen in the field uh, over your time in it? Things like, you know, new technologies, product approvals, you know, regulatory issues that have, uh, that have arisen and, and been resolved or, or not. Regenerative medicine is something that's still relatively new. I, I think regenerative medicine will continue to refine itself as an industry over the next 20, 30, 40 years. Um, the process of discovery is actually the thing that I think is most makes STEM labs most excited. That's the thing we get most excited about. Uh, the regulatory process has, has, it's constantly evolving. It's always changing. I've been in the industry, like I said, for 30 years, so I've seen an awful lot of changes over the years. I think the FDA is trying to understand how bioimplants work and, and, and how best to regulate them. Uh, it, it's something they're changing on a continual basis. And are there any interesting things? I mean, what, what would be some examples of products that are out there, not necessarily from STEM Labs or, or your other companies, but you know, 
are, are people influenced by these products? Did they see them? Are they are they in routine use these days? I think so, and I think there's a there's a demand for it. I think one of the things that's happening now is is a lot of the adoption and the the interest for regenerative medicine products is actually driven by the consumer and by the patient and not so much the clinician. 10 years ago, the clinicians were on, they understood it, but the patients didn't. Patients are becoming more and more savvy to regenerative medicine and they understand how much it can help them. And they're really seeking out opportunities or, or products that actually can help them with their, their particular ailments. So, you know, as I understand it, Sim Labs is working on uh, development of umbilical cord derived products. What, you know, what does that mean? And uh, what are some of the current products that you're working on? Sure. Uh, our first product is called Revita. It's actually harvested and processed from the placenta itself. The placenta is actually an interesting structure. I, it, my best example for how a placenta is built is it's a lot like an incandescent light bulb. Uh, there's uh, the part that actually screws into the socket. Actually, that is called the chorionic disc that attaches to the uterine wall inside the uterus, um, inside mom. And the glass part of the incandescent light bulb is the amniotic sac. It's actually comprised of three layers. And that's actually where we de derive the Revita product. Uh, it's harvested and, and goes through a proprietary process. We do have products called Corplex and Corplex P that are harvested from the, the umbilical cord. And all of these products are actually used in similar types of surgeries. And are these products that, you know, as you mentioned before, the, uh, the clinician had primarily been driving things in the past and that there's more consumers driving it now. Are, is that true of your products as well? Or is it, or, or is it more clinician driven? If you look at what the demand is, the demand is still predominantly clinicians, but it's something that we've noticed relatively recently is we get inquiries from patients directly to stem labs through through our website or through our customer service department or things like that um, you see a lot of conversation with with patients um, when you interact with patients in a clinical setting they actually know a lot more about the products than they would normally know it's 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 really impressive that people take the time to learn as much as they do I, it's one of the advantages of the internet you know on, on the one hand you hear about physicians still complaining that uh, patient you know, diagnosed himself or herself and came in with all these studies and things that they want to be enrolled in. And, you know, and often they're wrong, but um, on the other hand, it does provide the opportunity to actually dig deep with some guidance uh, from the clinician and understand what might be available uh, to you and what might be coming down, uh, come down the pike. Right. So as you look ahead um, with STEM labs, what are the kind of things that are in the in the pipeline? Uh, what would you see coming over the next several years? A lot of the things we're focused on at STEM Labs today are are more. It's it's doing more. It's creating more innovation. It's creating. Uh, it's it's touching patients we don't we can't currently touch. Um, one of the challenges, just as an example, um, placental allografts. Placenta. The human placenta is only so big. It's it's actually relatively small. Uh, so the the products that we can make are relatively small as well. So things like burns are really hard for us to treat. They're very expensive. Yeah. It's cost prohibitive. We want to be able to have a much bigger effect on treating wound patients. Um, not long ago, we had a we had photographs come in from a patient that were, it was an eight-year-old little girl and she had second degree burns over her entire back. And we saw before and after pictures. And 
things like that are the thing that really get us excited and motivated about what we do. No, that sounds, that sounds terrific. What has it been like uh, trying to manage the company during the pandemic? You know, every kind of business has uh, some challenges that are common to it and then, and then some things that may be unique uh, for the field. But what was it like managing STEM labs during the pandemic? In short, it wasn't fun. Uh, it was it was tough. Uh, it was 2020 was supposed to be a big growth year for STEM Labs. We actually set the business up, and that was supposed to be the big kind of the launch year for us, the takeoff year. Um, we actually did a really good job of pivoting the business. We we recognized early that the virus was going to be very disruptive to the business. Uh, we had a lot of contingency plans. We built in the course of about two weeks, we built, we built eight different plans on how we were going to execute the business and kind of get through the pandemic. Eight different plans. They changed that fast. Yeah. So it was tough. Uh, we at the time, half of our business was hospital based. Uh, that obviously that went away uh, because most hospitals were focused on uh, reducing anyone that didn't that wasn't essential in the hospital. They needed to go away and they were really focused on treating COVID patients. So our business really shifted to the clinics and the offices. We did a really good job of that. Another challenge that we had was we shifted very quickly from a retraction to an expansion. We, we started growing very, very quickly over the summer of 2020. And a lot of things, a lot of things that we use to manufacture our products are the same things that hospital used, disposable surgical gowns, surgical gloves, things like that. And most of our suppliers restricted us from buying any more than we had purchased the previous month. We actually doubled from over 2019. So trying to find twice the disposables, the masks, the gloves, the, the surgical gowns, all those things was a massive challenge for us. So I'm, I'm hopeful that we can have the pandemic mostly in the rear view mirror, although I don't think it's, uh, it's completely over, unfortunately. What comes next? Um, you know, you were on a certain path, it was disrupted a bit, you recovered. But where do you go from here? And are, are there things that are permanently changed uh, as a result of the pandemic uh, from the STEM Labs perspective? STEM Labs is mostly surgically focused. So the pandemic itself doesn't have a ton of effect on us. It, it was more of a, uh, an interim change for us. We're mostly back to business as usual. The hospitals have opened up for the most part. Uh, things may change a little bit with the new variant with Delta, uh, but I don't think it'll be nearly as disruptive as it was when uh, during 2020. So I think we're, we're in pretty good shape. We're mostly back to normal. Great. Well, it's a very interesting story. I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, linking to the, to the site, showing folks a current product and what you have uh, in the pipeline. I want to ask my last question about any time you've had for reading, uh, any books that you've been reading, anything you'd recommend either on the business side or just the, the reading for pleasure or fiction side, whatever it may be of interest. Uh, one of my favorite books and one of the books I've, I've actually picked up again uh, is called Leaders Eat Last by Simon Sinek. Um, it's all about servant leadership. It's something that I think is very important. Uh, this concept of leaders eat last is something that's fairly, it, actually it comes out of the Marine Corps. So it's something I learned when I was in the military and it's something that I really have worked towards in my professional life as well. It's, I think, Servant leadership is extremely important. I think that's something that the management team at Stem Labs does very well, and it's something that I think is uh, a, a very valuable uh, attribute. That sounds good. I haven't read that one. I think one of my other guests recommended it uh, as well, who hadn't been in the Marine Corps. So the uh, uh, the influence is, uh, has gone far and wide. I think it's a great concept to do. 
Well, great. So John Daniel, CEO of STEM Labs, it's been a pleasure having you on the Health Biz Podcast today. Thank you very much for your time and your insights. Thank you, David. You've been listening to the Health Biz Podcast with me, David Williams, president of Health Business Group. I conduct in-depth interviews with leaders in healthcare business and policy. If you like what you hear, go ahead and subscribe on your favorite service. While you're at it, go ahead and subscribe on your second and third favorite services as well. There's more good stuff to come, and you won't want to miss an episode. If your organization is seeking strategy consulting services in healthcare, check out our website, healthbusinessgroup.com.